Welcome to the Aquademia Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this Advocate Session episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin, and I'm here with Jamie Wright, editor of the Advocate Magazine. How's it going, Jamie? Going great. This is another one of our special kind of joint interview episodes that we did. It's our second one, and uh, I'm super excited to get it going. So I'm going to not waste any time. I'm going to hand it right off to Jamie to go ahead and get this started. You want to make an introduction for us? Yeah, we have a really fun guest on. We, we, this, you know, Instead of doing the magazine content update, we're bringing on uh, a guest. And I really think you know, up-and-coming entrepreneurs with really cool technologies, maybe some moonshot ideas. They really fit this format well. So fortunately, in aquaculture, we come across folks who meet that description quite often. Uh, so for this special update, um, we're connecting with Katie Weiler. She's founder of Viable Gear, a Portland, Maine-based business. Viable Gear seeks to reduce petroleum-based plastics in the ocean by producing fishing and marine farming gear with polymers derived from seaweed. Katie, welcome to Aquademia. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for joining us. I first spotted you on the uh, the pitch stage at the Blue Food Innovation Summit in London. Uh, I guess it was just a little over a month ago. You were there to give like an elevator pitch about Viable Gear and the bait bag and then field some questions. Well, why don't you just do that now for us? Give us the quick pitch and introduce yourself and, and Viable Gear. Cool. Yeah. So I'm Katie Weiler and um, we are based in Portland, Maine. Um, Viable Gear is using seaweed to replace plastics in the aquaculture and fishing industry, as Jamie mentioned. Um, And we are in R&D right now and have a material. So we are doing some prototyping and some formulation of maybe what's going to make that material better in the ocean, which we know is a very uh, tumultuous environment. Um, but yeah, uh, our first product to market that we're targeting is going to be a bait bag for the lobster industry. And of course, can be used across industries. Uh, crab industry could also use it too. Um, but it's a, a pretty important piece of gear that is used prevalently and can become ghost gear pretty easily in the ocean on a smaller scale, not, um, not huge, but still has an impact. So that, that's kind of the first big, big product. And in the meantime, we're also working with some kelp farmers, uh, to figure out a kelp seeding twine, um, that would be a little bit better for, farming kelp as well. And this is all in Maine, right? Yeah, we're all in Maine. Um, that's kind of the the goal is to really create more demand for seaweed off the coast of Maine. And hopefully it'll be easier for our farmers to get their licenses um, or their LPAs, their leases. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, all, all being done in Maine right now. Kind of funny how you had to go all the way to London <laughs> to connect with someone that's in Maine. <laughs> I know, right? There was like a really big Maine contingency there. there felt was. like there was really yeah. good representation of this state of Maine. Mainers are worldwide. Yeah, Jesse Baines from Atlantic <laughs> Sea Farms was there too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. So we do a lot of these kind of innovation type episodes on the podcast. We like to talk about these new innovative products and ideas a lot. And they're really popular with our audience. And between the podcast and the magazine, our audience is like, they're really smart. They're probably way smarter than me. Not probably, they definitely are way smarter than me. And so they like to really get into the details. I want to 
we don't want to spend too much time, but like, let's jump into like what species of seaweed is the best to make the product. Uh, how do you plan to source it? We've talked a little, you mentioned it a little bit, but let's let's get in kind of the nitty gritty of, of all that. Give us the rundown on the actual materials that you're using and how it works. Yeah, cool. I can um, talk a bit about that. And your audience is definitely smarter than me too. So that's, that's great. Um, and we're using brown macroalgae. Uh, so it can be kind of a combo of a few different uh, brown macroalgaes because we are using alginate. Um, so we can source that from various different browns. Right now we are using um, just farmed um, cultivated kelp. So that's that's kind of what we're using. Got to go with what's there. That's what's, that's what's happening. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the drive, I mean, I'll kind of like go back into the, the why of that, which is originally we wanted to use whole plant, um, but, and, and something that could be grown uh, in the Northeast here and um, brown macroalgaes were definitely where we started, but we found uh, somebody named Colin Hepburn who has a company called Everything Seaweed and, and he started doing consulting with us and was a, a real game changer. Um, the alginate product used to be pretty dirty and how it was uh, kind of pulled away from the cellulose of the plant. So he actually worked with a company, I believe in Scotland or, or Iceland or, or both. He's a brilliant guy who's been in the seaweed engineering space for like over 30 years and uh they actually use centrifuges to pull the alginate out so it was a clean way of getting alginate and so we felt a little bit more comfortable kind of like going that route and using a cleaner more sustainably uh processed alginate so i was just gonna ask how you got (laughs) i was like i I even wrote in the notes like how do you extract or yeah get the alginate out of the plant yeah Yeah, i'd love to see their process sometime just visually because i have a whole like uh you know, I've like made up in my head. It's like a Willy Wonka factory of like yeah. centrifuges going with seaweed and all of that fun stuff. So it's like the Higgs yeah. boson device in <laughs> Switzerland. Um, yeah. So in the last few years, I mean, you, you've you seen it. There's been a huge uptick, uptick, I need to learn how to speak, uh, uptick <laughs> in attention on seaweed, seaweed farming, the multiple potential uses for seaweed as a raw material. Seaweed farming is uh, restorative or regenerative regenerative aquaculture, you know, with all the connected environmental benefits that it brings. So when you step back and look at seaweed as an industry right now, how would you describe it? Because you're you're going to be depending on it. Yeah, absolutely. And and we're very cognizant of getting into seaweed specifically and not land-based crops because of all the benefits that seaweed provides. So it's a really conscious decision that just like, hey, how can we replace plastic with just any plant? It was really specific to how can we use seaweed to to reduce plastic? Um, Because yeah, carbon capture, all of that great stuff, but also yeah, ocean acidification here in the Gulf of Maine that we've probably all heard it that our Gulf of Maine is warming 99% faster than the rest of the world's oceans. Mm -hmm. And as someone who grew up in Maine, that's pretty freaky that I can tell the difference between different water temperatures through my life and, and species that don't exist anymore, or you don't see. And so, um, the seaweed industry is fascinating where there was this huge or is this huge boom. And, and I love 
that were kind of part of this boom. I think we started a little bit before it became so crazy, but um, there's so many benefits and we really just need to figure out how to scale it. That's going to be the number one thing that we depend on. Um, I think the, the product side of things is a little bit ahead of the US and the UK with formulations of using seaweed as replacement for things other than the food industry. And in the US, we've really been focused on the food industry. And so we have the opportunity and uh, the space, if you will, to be able to grow and scale a little bit more than the UK. But everyone is going to need a lot of seaweed if a lot of these companies take off. So that's something we're watching. And I certainly don't have the answers to it. Um, I'm sure you've heard Bree and Jesse at Atlantic Sea Farms or Mitch Lynch at Ocean's Balance speak, and they mm. they have some great thoughts and ideas around that. But scale is going to be big. Katie, you um, mentioned that you grew up in Maine. Can we get a little bit more yeah. uh, information on your background and kind of how you started and then what led you to working with seaweed? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I grew up in the Midcoast in Camden and uh, was lucky enough to have a boat growing up and we went out and bopped around on the islands and I grew up really spending a lot of time on the ocean. So it was always a part of me. And I went away to school as a lot of us in Maine do. We leave the state and then um, Then come back. (laughs) Yeah. It is a big boomerang state. But I was in Boston for four years and then out in Wyoming for four years. And while I was in Wyoming, I got really into uh, the plastics crisis, kind of the global scale of it. Um, I'd always kind of had this weird thing with plastic bags. I had done, I think, I think it was high school. I did this project around, you know, like the sea turtles and plastic bags. So I had like this tiny, tiny snippet of awareness about <clears throat> plastics. But then I watched this documentary called The Plastic Ocean, and I'd seen a lot of ocean-based documentaries but this one for some reason like really hit me and I think it's because of how digestible it is it's not there to scare you it's not there to even though it should um but it's a lot about the plastics and what plastics are doing to our oceans but what they're doing to us too and growing up with endocrine issues and all of that and learning that plastics are endocrine disruptors. And I'm a huge seafood eater. We I grew up eating a ton of seafood and um, just knowing that microplastics were becoming so prevalent in our food systems and what that could do to our public health is kind of what got me into the plastics journey. So I started, uh, I took a pledge at the end of this documentary to be plastic free. And I kind of started running with it. And at the time I was in like a relatively small town, Jackson, Wyoming, and people were like, Oh, you're the girl that's doing the plastic free thing. Or people would see me at the grocery store, like trying to get people to like wrap cheese in paper for me or bringing my own (laughs) containers and stuff like that. So I ended up starting an Instagram because people were just like curious how to do it. And that's really where I started diving super deep into plastics. And then I got onto the board of a recycling center and a board of saltwater classroom here. And I'm on the board of Hurricane Island. Um, And yeah, it's just, I kind of have just like, it's an evolution. I'm always learning, but I'm really into the plastics work. And when I moved back to Maine, it was the, the, I really wanted to leave my, my background is uh, marketing and management consulting. And I really wanted to leave that work and do something that had more of an impact 
So I started looking into ghost gear and what people were doing to reduce ghost gear, especially in this wonderful state that has a vibrant fishing community and not a lot was being done. So I figured if no one else was really tackling it, that I would see what I could do. <laughs> so let's, so let's, let's talk, are. let's talk about what you're doing. And this, the bait bag, it's really interesting. So yeah. this is a lobster trip for those who don't know a lobster trap has a, you know, usually a bait bag of usually consisting of some herring or some other type of... Uh, some oily, smelly fish. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. some nice that, pogies in there. Yeah, that attracts the uh, lobsters. And you know, these bags are made of plastic currently. So um, just talk about the product, how far along you are, you know, and maybe how far you've come. Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned briefly, my background is not in engineering. So when I had this idea... And it, it started with uh, kind of like ropes because at the same time that I was like, well, nobody's making uh, anything that's better for our ocean in terms of ghost gear. So ropes, nets, whatever. Some people are trying to do some stuff, but uh, I was like, okay, seaweed seems great. Who can I get to do this? You know, like finding, like I'm not an engineer, so how do I do this? And it started slow, but I I ended up talking to an advisor of mine, uh, Davis Lee, who's up in the Rockport area, and he's like an astrophysicist. And so I was like, "Hey, what do you think?" And I had found one article that was out of like the University of Tel Aviv, and they had made plastic out of seaweed. So I'm like, "This is possible. Let's like, how do you make it into a rope?" Because it was the same time that the right whale Endangered Species Act was really starting to blow up. So around 2000. 1920 when it was really getting into the media um and yeah it's not that easy to just you know go make a different lobster warp uh which is the the rope that they use and so we started small it was like what products what products are smaller rope but on a smaller scale where we can hopefully get to larger ropes in the future and that was different meshes. And mm. I started talking to Dana Morse at the University of Maine Starling Marine Center. And of course he's you a wonderful resource, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Of course he is. Yeah. He's yeah. probably the most what helpful a fantastic guy. Fantastic human. Exactly. <laughs> no, nothing but wonderful words to say about Dana. And we just started talking about what's smaller and kelp seeding twine came up. And then, okay, if you can make a twine, what can you make out of the twine? And there's a lot of things that you could make out of the twine. But yeah. to me, it was like, what, what's the biggest impact right now? And the lobster industry has been having a lot of, you know, big problems. And, and, and you can't just watch an industry that you grew up around suffer like this without mm -hmm. saying, how can I help or what can I do? And so that was kind of that big pivot to, I sat, I sat in the U.S. and Canada lobster town hall which i believe was february here in portland and everyone talking about just the huge impact and devastation that all of the regulation around the right whale and endangered species mm -hmm. act is bringing um so that was kind of where i decided to make that big pivot to if we can do bait bags out of this then potentially hopefully that can help with risk re reduction just by showing that hey there can be something biodegradable here what can we make out of it um yeah that's kind of that's the why around the bait bag i guess um and it's you know just transparently it's a profitable product you know you can't just have kelp seeding twine and hope to 
be a successful startup and support people and support jobs and all that. So we needed some bigger, bigger scale products. Yeah. So one thing that is always interesting when we do type innovation type episodes, especially in this uh, wildcat sector, is um, talking about like acceptance because we all know uh, that seafood professionals and specifically fishers are very, um, you know, they're they're kind of set in their ways. There's old traditions and and mm-hmm. they're they're hard. It, 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 they're a hard group to get to change their mind and accept these new things sometimes, especially when it comes to paying more for them. So yeah, can you t- kind of talk about how this has been received by the lobster industry? Yeah, for sure. Because um, that was like, originally, when we were talking about this, I was uh, like the products and, and what should we do? What should we start driving towards? I was like, anything but the lobster industry. Like, I just don't want to get in their way. You know, like, <laughs> I don't want to be stepping on anyone's toes because again like growing up with a lot of these guys I was like yeah okay and and women um so I ended up reaching out to a few stern men that I knew and that is a really great group of people to talk to about stuff that you know they're pretty open and honest about what they were doing with bait bags or you know like hey some some boats are trying to use their bait bags and fix them with hog rings and uh, make them into like chain mail basically until they have to throw one out and use another one. And then some are just kind of like ripping them in and out and using two or three per trap per season. And it just varies so much uh, how bait bags are used. So that was a big learning for me and just talking to the people who were open to talk to me, um, which more were than I was expecting. Um, I started, I was connected to Rick Wally, who's at the Lobster Institute, um, University of Maine, and, and they were really excited about it. And so that was kind of a boost for me. I was like, all right, if, if people are ready and willing to do some research on this and, and get the word out there, then that's really exciting. And so I've been trying to get a hold of a lot of the bigger people in the industry, but at like Patrice McCarran, if you're out there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would love to talk to you. <laughs> so many emails and calls. But you know, like the there's so much going on in the industry as well right now. So it's that balance of, okay, I'm aware that there's huge things that are in like litigation that just ended, but you know, how can I talk to the right people at the right time? And I the timing has been everything for me and and it's so far been received generally. And of course, the price is the biggest piece when you talk to someone like a lot of the people I've talked to are like, well, how much is it? You know, like, what's it going to start at? And right now we can't give an exact price, but we're hoping it's not any more than like 30 to 70 cents more than your typical bait bag. A lot of people now are getting pre-made bait bags. um, And those are around like $2, $2 $2.31 right now at Hamilton Marine. Um, But (laughs) I, (laughs) exact price. Yeah. Because I I want to be really cognizant of that, and I've kind of thrown it out to some people at the state too. Um, Hannah Pingree just being like, "Hey, like stipends, what can we do for this?" You know, if there is going to be a price difference and it's higher, how can we get these in the hands of lobstermen for the same price that they're paying now? And yeah. and that's going to be huge. So more to come on on the pricing for sure, but. Um, uh, Brooks Trap Mill has been amazing. Uh, all of the Brooks there are really uh, champions of what we're doing at Viable Gear. They're really excited to have a more sustainable 
excuse me, big dog out there. Um, they've written me letters of intent for grants and, and I can't say enough good things about Brooks Stratmel. So they're, they're behind distributing us as well. So that was a huge piece too, right? Which is like, we can't just sell this. We're not just doing B2C. We want a distributor who has a name already in the industry to really carry us and Brooks Stratmel is willing to do that, which is exciting. Sounds like you're racking up the wins. Um, <laughs> ju- you're just getting yourself on the map, and you're you're already notching, you know, some important milestones. Uh, just just a few months ago, you took up residency, so to speak, at the Hoos. Uh, so we, I guess we have time for one last question. So you have this really cool office space at the New England Ocean Cluster. For those unfamiliar, it's like a how many different businesses work there? It's probably about. Oh my gosh, probably Eight 16. Or 10? 16. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. yeah. They have a lot of offices and yeah. then the incubator space too. Yeah. So I've been there for a number of events, uh, you know, a few times. But what's it like working there? You must get some interesting, like, cross-pollination just bumping into innovative people down there. Yeah. And I need to be so clear on this that I would not be anywhere close to where I am now without the help of the main kind of startup network. And that includes the New England Ocean Cluster and also uh, GMRI, Gulf of Maine Ventures, which is under them. Um, I was part of their accelerator. And then at the same time, part of the incubator at the Ocean Cluster. And that was all starting probably about a year ago, really, that I dove into that that work with that accelerator and that incubator. And the networks and the people they put me in touch with, I, I owe where I am to to both of those organizations for sure. Um, as well as being a part of Top Gun Main Center for Entrepreneurs, they had a great accelerator. But um, back to the Ocean Cluster, they they're a great space, and um, what they do is is different than. Uh, so I started in the incubator. They have a a blue inclusion program. Um, so companies can go and kind of apply to this blue inclusion program. They have one going on right now uh, that gets people into the space uh, under a grant that comes from Bristol Seafood, which is amazing. So after that, I became a member. Uh, and now I go and work there a few times a week. And it's so great to have a space like that and a, a group of people like that. I have Chris Carey as an advisor for me because he's he's done a lot. And so so is Patrick and Janine down there. And just meeting the people, uh, like you said, the, the different companies that work there are fantastic. And everyone is tied into either the blue economy or sustainability or just like the state of Maine, you know, the, the universities have office space there, Focus Maine, Maine Center for Entrepreneurs. There's, it's just a really wonderful community to be a part of. Well, all great things start with great ideas, but great ideas need some collaboration and some nurturing too. So I'm glad to see that you're getting all that too. And we're really excited to see, you know, the growth of your company uh, over the next few years. I think that what you're bringing to the market is really important. So thank you, thank you so much for joining us, Katie. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I just want to wrap up by uh, asking two quick questions. Uh, one is, what resources do you need? Because our listeners have a lot of uh, resources available to them. What resources do you need to kind of achieve your next immediate goals? And then the second one is, is there anything else that you want to get out there? Do you want people to contact you for any reason? Uh, you know, just kind of close things out. Yeah, awesome. I Contact me if you're interested. I, I always say like... I would love to talk to anyone. I never really turn on a conversation. And um, 
especially how, if you're in the, how should they do that should they email yeah, you or yeah I'll, yeah i'll um will my email be in like the show notes or something like that i can put yeah. my email cool yeah so it's katie at viablegearco.com you can put that in the, the show notes but also follow us on instagram at viablegear um and the next big thing is that we're likely I'm, I'm waiting on a uh, the answer around a big grant right now. If we don't get the grant, then we are going to go full steam into a pre-seed raise. Um, so investors, if you're out there and you're interested, <laughs> let me know. And yeah, I just, I, I think getting the name out there, viable gear, what we're doing, um, and that we want to really collaborate and hear from industry. So anyone in the lobster industry, feel free to talk to me, even if you're like, this is ridiculous and stupid, and it's not going to work. Any conversation is valuable. I would say it is going to work and it's going to be great. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we, I didn't really speak about that, but we, we have a material we're doing water testing to see, uh, its degradation rate and, and stuff like that. So now we need a space and to actually hire a polymer engineer. So also material scientists, polymer engineers, let me know if you're interested. They're sure out there somewhere. There's a lot of them exactly. out there, you know? <laughs> they all listen to this show too, so we'll, we'll get yeah, you exactly. some. <laughs> Target audience. Yeah. So, Katie, thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate it, and uh, we're excited to see where it goes, like Jamie said, and we'll keep in touch. 